0: This is the Action Network podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. (laughs) Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four.
1: You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf.
2: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another golf edition of the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Amanda Rosen for Jason Sobel. We graciously gave him the week off, but uh, you'll see him this Wednesday night for the gimme. I am joined by Justin Ray of the 21st Group. This is your second week back from maternity leave. Okay, how's the whole, you know, raising a human thing working out for you?
1: I'm going to tell you, Amanda, it's really overrated. I'm, not gonna, I'm just just being honest with you. It's super yeah. overrated. No, no, I'm kidding. Kid's awesome. <laughs> Mom's great. Everyone's happy. Uh, a little, everyone's a little sleep deprived, but uh, no, all is well. It's good to be on here with you. We I mean, we gave Sobel, you know, he gets about like 48 hours off every year or two. So, yeah. you know, it's him enjoying his much uh, richly earned couple of days of uh, respite.
2: Exactly. He needs a break from all the golf he plays, I think too. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's really the
1: break. Yeah. The break yeah. from the, you know, central Florida pro-am. <laughs> slash scramble circuit that he's on most of the time mm-hmm. so
2: <laughs> exactly but before we get into this week's inaugural palmetto championship at congaree we do need to talk about this weekend saturday in particular so ram has a six-shot lead walking off the 18th green and then he's informed he has covid and needs a withdrawal but he also did make history i should add um as the first professional golfer to make a hole-in-one with covid so there is a bright side but <laughs> then we know like two we, million dollars that, that, that we, we know, know of officially
1: There's- there could be some dude on a tour somewhere who made an ace and then they didn't test. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what an unbelievable, what a just an incredible sequence of events to come out after the delay, make a hole in one. He recorded, that, that was his best career round on the PGA tour by strokes gained, which is no small feat for John Rahm, a guy who goes low all the time. He ties tiger's 54 hole lead record at the Memorial. Um, he looks like he's going to moonwalk like an 11 shot win. And then honestly, like based on the way he had his reaction, he said, not again. I was worried something yeah. worse. I was worried that like he was told about a family member or something horrible. I mean, yeah, this was big news and it was really sad, but I mean, in the immediate aftermath, you're almost kind of like, Oh, okay. All right. This, that makes sense that he would have that had that kind of reaction and everything because immediately I thought something much more severe. I wonder what your your reaction was watching it. Just a, a really surreal kind of twenty minutes.
2: <laughs> so I did not see it live. I had gone kayaking earlier in the day. It was like ninety degrees. It was absolutely blistering. We were out there for five hours and um, I had fallen asleep around like six thirty. Like I felt I fell asleep very early for the night, and I go to bed early anyway. So I didn't see it. I woke up the next morning and was like, "Oh my god." Like, there was so much to take in. I had so much to absorb in such a short amount of time. Like, I felt like Europe, when Europe wakes up to this news, and they're like, oh, my God, what happened on the BGA Tour? I was Europe, you know? So, nice. Yeah. It, uh, it, was, it was shocking, though. I mean, I was I, – I don't know. What are your thoughts on the way they handled it? That was one of the shocking things to me.
1: So, initially, I thought, how could they do this to the guy right off the 72nd green? But this is a no-win situation for the tour. Like – What are they supposed to do? Have him walk off the green, high five fans, like you know, hug somebody, like get in the cart with his caddy close by, like that almost is visually worse. I don't really know what the answer is. I know that they they did a pretty good job laying out the timeline of events of how everything happened, Mm -hmm. how he had the initial test, and then they wanted to make sure that it wasn't a false positive. So they didn't know. I think it was he was walking up the 18th fairway when they got confirmation that he was in fact positive with COVID 19. So. I I don't think they can win. You know, I don't think there's a a great way to do it. I think that all things considered, I know that they were, I mean, the tour gets ripped for everything they do. You know, it doesn't matter. And a lot of the
2: time it's like deserved, but.
1: Yeah, no, and there are (laughs) things that are justifiable in that sense. But a lot of times too, I mean, they're in a situation where, you know, they can do no right. And I think that was yeah. kind of yeah. what it was from this situation. There's no great way to handle it. So yeah. um, I am a little bit thankful and they might be too. Think about if this is a few years ago, William McGirt won his first and only PGA tour event. I what know. if it's a journeyman player up by six shots, five shots, having the week of his life, this could be life-changing. And then that happens. Like that, yeah. that would have been, for a guy like John Rahm, like yeah, lose one point six million, lose a big prestigious tournament, could have gone back to back. That stinks. John Rahm is going to win a lot of golf tournaments in his career. He already has, and he will in the future. So, yeah, um, I, that was kind of what I thought. I was like, man, what if this was a kind of a journeyman player having a great week? Um, and that was one of the situations I thought of. But what did you yeah. think of the way they handled it?
2: Um, like you said, there was really no other way to do it. You can't let him like walk off and continue. However, like they, you know, he had, he had been doing the contract contact tracing thing all week or whatever, starting Monday. Okay. Yeah. You've been in contact with someone that tested positive. Okay. I, he had to take a test every single day. Come Saturday and he tests negative until Saturday. After the, the the conclusion of the second round on Saturday, he retests. And they get the confirmation around like 4.20 p.m., I think. And then they, you know, find out like six or something that it, if it really is COVID. So you got to think, I mean, how many guys did he come in contact with? I know it was limited access to facilities and being indoors and different whatever around the course. And I'm not critic- this is not criticizing. I'm yeah. genuinely curious how many people like he I just want to know how Like, I wonder how many people he came in contact with in the times when he was like still testing negative. So I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if he was. Like like giving other people the virus at that time, but Saturday you knew we had it. So I'm just curious, like why, um, or or just Morikawa and the other guys that were around mm-hmm. him, like just for them. I'm curious, but I mean golf is it's it's a pretty distance thing, so
1: it's one of the things we've talked about since the beginning of the entire COVID situation. Is golf benefited from the natural spacing of the tournament? And if you watch when he makes the ace on Saturday morning, his playing partners don't high five him they more is walking away and like gives him like virtual dap from like 6 feet away mm-hmm. like it's all i mean he, it sounds like he told them beforehand hey i've got a positive it might be false i don't know and they're like they're like okay whatever let's play like you know maybe they were cognizant of it throughout the round you hope that this didn't spread in any way i think the fact that this happened in june of 2021 and not in June of 2020, speaks to the, this breadth of this global experience and that yeah. this isn't gone yet. Like, as much as life feels like it's getting back to normal, it still exists. You know, it's still around, and it can still hurt people. So um, it's wild. I'm glad he's asymptomatic. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> poor Patrick Cantley. It's not his fault that Rom does the positive, Yeah. And speaking
2: know. of Patrick Cantley, we had the Patrick Cantlay-Colin a playoff they both hit terrible approach shots on their nineteenth hole or whatever, and on their first playoff hole, nineteenth hole. Who am I? Um, and then, I mean, Patrick Henley makes an incredible putt.
1: Yeah, on the second I, hole. I, on the second hole. Yeah, second playoff it, hole. First playoff hole. Uh, I believe it was the second playoff hole. The, the big playoff situation hole, yeah, was still in regulation, where the, the whole weather delay thing, where they had That's more of right, a yeah. hit, and then they. And then they stopped for a little while. It was a very odd kind of sequence of events. I admit I had that on mute on my double TV setup and I had the US Women's Open on as well, which was really mm-hmm. compelling. I finished down the stretch. Lexi Thompson absolutely gagging down the stretch, but it was a it was a good yeah. finish. But as far as Memorial goes, the thing that was most interesting to me is that Morikawa almost won that golf tournament. He is far and away statistically the best strokes gained approach player on the PGA Tour this season. Mm. He was terrible on Sunday. He ranked like 58th in the field in strokes gained approach. He still almost won the golf tournament with those. I mean, he was all over the place. Was with his irons. I don't know if he's getting bad numbers or what was going on. Yeah. But he was not himself and still almost got the win. This is kind of interesting. I, I know it's a little bit of a statistical anomaly that you had – the last three winners at Memorial, Morikawa at Workday, Can'tlay at Memorial, and Rahm Memorial were the three main foils in the story all week. It's almost like Memorial's turning into like the coarse, horseiest horse for the course venue. It really is, yeah. One of the most on tour. And I looked at you know last week we talked about on the gimme and Jason and I talked on the podcast about the enormous significance of approach play here. It's a lot like Augusta National where the rough maybe isn't necessarily as penalizing. There's more rough at Jack's place than there is at Augusta, but mm-hmm. you know the significance of iron play and players who are really strong in that particular skill set it really shown through this week with, with the guys we saw contending.
2: I agree, and like you said, we have horses for courses at at Muirfield um, Village, but this week we're at a brand new. Venues. Um, So we have the Balmetto Championship at Congaree. It's filling in for the RBC Canadian Open, which is set to return again next year. So uh, we do look forward to that. But let's look at the odds board from our friends over at BetMGM. So not shocking, South Carolina native Dustin Johnson plus 750. He leads the field. Brooks Koepka plus 800. It's moved down. It was 900 uh, to open this morning. Uh, Terrell Hatton, 12 to one. Matt Fitzpatrick, 14 to one. Sungjae Im, 16 to one. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens this week. Because it, there's, there's a huge gap between those top five that I just read you and Brandon Grace, like Tommy Fleetwood, guys at 25 to one. So... These top five players, break it down for me. Who do you like here?
1: Oh, just to give you an idea of how far uh, this field is in disparity between Memorial last week and U.S. Open next week, Garrick Higgo is 15th on the board. Yeah. Not many American golf fans even know who that dude is. So yeah, um, you've got some top-heavy action there with DJ and Kepka, um, And then, you know, you can find some value down the board. This is one of those weeks where if you dig a little bit and do a little bit of research, whatever is available with this course that – no one's ever played on before. I thought it was interesting. Lucas Glover is a player ambassador for Congaree, and he said that he thought maybe I think it was twenty of the guys in the field maybe tops have ever played this golf course before. So it's gonna be really interesting. He also said though what I thought was cool, um, and you had mentioned this to me, is that uh, the course is modeled a little bit off the Australian sandbelt. So um, a lot of that that's really you know one of my favorite sporting events of the last several years favorite golf terms was that president's cup at yeah. uh, Melbourne a couple years, uh, years back. And we saw all these different approach shots and interesting ways to play. Glover said, he thinks that there's going to be long guys who are able to take advantage of their distance carrying, but you can also for the shorter guys, reclaim some distance by hitting some runner shots and some shots that maybe are a little bit unconventional. So um, that doesn't help betters. That doesn't <laughs> it, makes it really tough to pinpoint the type of player who might win. Um yeah it's over 7,600 yards. There's a 645-yard par 5. There's a couple par 4s yes. over 520 yards. So maybe I favor distance a little bit. But um, when I think about Bermuda greens and some sand present, I kind of get the visual that this might look a little bit like the events in the Middle East on the European tour.
2: Yeah,
1: Abu Dhabi, the Dubai Desert Classic, DP World Championships. So you know, I'm looking at guys who've had some success on those type of golf courses and maybe that'll point me in the right direction. But, um, yeah, I,
2: I agree. With, I agree with that. I think the the courses in Abu Dhabi like those desert courses they're I would say they're more similar to like a shadow creek or or somewhere out west in the United States where it's a manufactured golf course like yeah Yeah. it's kind of along there but the the Australian sandbelt courses they're they're more like nature right you kind of go Mm -hmm. with how nature does it and I I agree with looking at the guys that play well over there but I just like that's I'm going to look more at guys who played well um, in South Australia, you know, guys that have played well at Royal Melbourne and the other events um, on the Australasian tour. So I think there's a lot of, of, of golf to look at in the past in Australia, a lot of statistics that people should kind of look to and see who did well at certain courses down there and kind of go from there. I think that's going to be your best bet this week. because you know, we like Lucas Glover said, only a handful of guys have ever played this course.
1: I like it. Maybe Sung JM. I know he's high up on the board, but he kicked a lot of ass at that president's cup. I mean, that might be somebody to look at this week. He hasn't been quite himself this year compared to the way he played last season, but he's really interesting.
2: So let's look at the top of the um, board here. Some of the top tier guys we haven't talked about yet. Like I said, uh, Brandon Grace is 25 to one. Tommy Fleetwood's 25 to one. Uh, you have Lucas Glover at 40 to one. Garrick Higo, 50 to one. Keith Mitchell all the way up at 40 to one. We haven't really seen him that high on the board lately. Um, and Kevin Kisner, 50 to one South Carolina guy. Uh, do you know, is, does he have a history here at this course? Does he know this course?
1: I don't know for sure. Um, I do know that he snapped a streak of five straight missed cuts in his last start. So um, not the kind of form that you'd like to see. I mean, he was one of the guys I was really interested looking into it. And I was like, yeah. I haven't heard much from Kisner. And you pull it up and he's missed five of his last six cuts. So um, Lucas Glover hasn't won on the PGA Tour in 10 years. And he's what, 11th on the board? I mean, it's really, it's kind of an interesting mix when you look at there. Um, and then I, Vince Whaley has been. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Of a statistical darling for a while now the last six seven starts he's got one of the longest cuts made streaks on the pga tour mm-hmm. and i was like this is my week he's my long shot i looked down he's only 66 to one i know he's a really long shot so um and yeah and- but at the top of the board i think you know there's some guys who haven't really necessarily had terrific form recently tommy fleetwood big name in the sport right but he hasn't mm-hmm. really contended a ton since covid began um i don't know if that has anything to do with it or it's just a dip in form Uh, you know, Alex Noren's a guy's had a ton of success in Europe. Hasn't played a ton of great golf recently. Um, you know, Ian Poulter is at 33 to one, same kind of situation where, you know, he's had some, he had some good finishes earlier in the year, but you don't really know what you're going to get for a guy on the other side of 40. So, um, it's certainly interesting. I wish I could give more, you know, precise, you know, lasers at the top of the board, but honestly, this is a week where I'm looking a little bit deeper and trying to find some value.
2: All right, so let's look kind of center of the board. You see the guys starting at like 80 to 1. Pat Perez, I don't love that number for him. But Rafa cabrera Bayo, 80 to 1. I do like that number for him. And I also like that 80 to 1 number for Richie Rewenski. Like, he plays well on these kind of courses. JT Poston at 100 to 1. Eric Van Royen now if Eric Van Royen plays well here and Brandon Grace plays well here Garrick Higo will play well here for whatever reason the South Africans like text each other before an event and are like hey do you want to play well this week yeah okay let's all play well together and they just go from like pod to pod and you watch it on on the European tour every every single week especially when they're in South Africa they play a certain type of golf course really really well and because of these similarities with this course and in Australia Australian golf courses I think this actually could be a week where we do see um, the South Africans doing very well.
1: You mentioned Rafa Cabrera-Beo really liking him. I That's a guy who correlates really strongly with my courses in the Middle East success type yeah. situation I was thinking about. He won the Dubai Desert Classic nine years ago, runner-up six years ago. I think he he's also a guy. Island. He's also a guy who plays everywhere all over the planet he is not going to be phased by seeing a golf course for the first time because yeah. he does it several times a year and in comparison a lot of guys on the pga tour year in year out they might see one or two new venues you know based on what their schedule is that's not the case for cabrera Bayo. another guy who's a little bit lower on the board has been playing some better golf recently finished in the top 20 the last time the pga tour was in south carolina danny willett he's won in dubai yeah plays globally, third on tour in strokes gained around the green. Lucas Glover, and I know he's he's been the go-to source for all the information about <laughs> the course because we don't really have a ton of it. He said that it plays firm and fast. That tells me a low greens and regulation percentage by the field this week to be expected. Danny Willett, third on tour in strokes gained around the green. So if that holds true, that statistic going to be all the more important. Um, and I think that he's a guy who you could find some value in down at 80 to 1. That's a pretty good number. I'm gonna have him for a top 10 and a top 20, probably.
2: Yeah, and and there's some guys around, you know, the hundred to one that I don't love. Roy Sabatini, I'm not sure I like him at that number. But then Camilo Bajagas is 125 to one, and he's been playing some really solid golf. He's been making cuts, so I like him for prop bets this week um a lot. Tom Lewis, 125 to one, also another European that. He's recently found his form. Like when we first saw him in, I guess, was it 09 or 2010 or whatever? And he played with with um, Tom Watson and he was named after Tom Watson. Oh, it was so great. And then he went away and we never saw him again. And then, you know, fast forward. Now he's, you know, winning events on the European tour and he's playing well. So I like him. And then Peter Uline also 125 to one. He just won on the Corn Fairy tour not too long ago. So I that's who I like in that range. What do you think of that range? I think there's a little bit of value in there.
1: So Lewis is an interesting guy. He works with Brad Faxon. And a big thing that I've talked to Brad about with Tom is that confidence is huge for, for Tom Lewis is that once he sees some balls, once he sees some putts going in the hole, the confidence builds He's able to gain momentum. So if he gets off to a hot start, I think he's somebody you could watch through the weekend In that range. The two most interesting guys to me are two young guys. So John Pock, making his de- pro debut. Yeah, he's yeah. The, I think he was the, either the, Nelson award, not the Nelson award, the Nicholas award winner, or, um, just a Haskin.
2: He won the Haskin, Haskin award. Haskin. He was the top was. collegiate male golfer. Yeah. I knew, yeah. What, I knew yeah. what you meant. There's only 50 different awards. Right. Exactly. Win,
1: so. Boils down to he's an absolute stud in college and he's yeah. going to be a really good player. He's making his pro debut. And a guy who's a stud at Clemson right down the road, Bryson Nimmer in the field this week at 200 to one. Ooh. I'm really interested in how they play. I think that might be that might be a little fun side action for like a top ten or a top twenty for both those guys. The pressure of your pro debut. I mean, I know John Rahm contended a few years back in his pro uh, debut on the PGA Tour, uh, but it doesn't happen very often. And uh, Bryson Nimmer, they're two guys who are really interesting to me. They're gonna be fun to watch. I always love when the young guys come out and make their you know first big statement on the big stage. Uh, but maybe just a little bit of side action there, top twenty, maybe like top forty, that could be fun.
2: Yeah, and this. <laughs> This field just keeps going with um, the odds here. And I found another uh, South African that I really like. Wilco Nienaber, 150 to one. Another really good South African.
1: Hits it so far.
2: Hits it so, it's, it's, (laughs) it is unreal. It's like, I think he breaks the sound barrier every single time. He goes full Chuck Yeager.
1: He's basically he's a he's the a European tour long drive competition dude. Like he yeah. absolutely bombs it. So to see him on this course if distance proves to be really valuable, um not we're not sure if, if that's going to be the case. He's really interesting. He's going to be fun to follow this week for sure.
2: Yeah, Hudson Swadford 250 to 1. That's also not too bad. He's kind of like a local guy. Like we're not too far from Savannah and I know he's a Georgia guy and that's not terrible value on a guy like him who else do you like way way down here in the bot like the the crumbs
1: man of that's everything. It's interesting i mean we'll we'll fill out our uh, DraftKings lineup here in a minute and i feel like we're going to be plucking from this this collection of players probably knee that's probably the guy who i look at mm-hmm. and and see um some interesting value there at 150 to one someone who hits it a long way you know guys flashed a little bit here in the last few months playing a little bit better golf is jason duffner Um, you know, not the most consistent player at this point in his career, um, on the other side of 40, that tends to drift a little bit, but you know, he's played a little bit better golf recently. He's a guy, he's a Southern dude, Auburn, uh, graduate. So, um, you know, maybe he's got some experience here, uh, playing a lot. He's played a lot of golf in this region. I know in his career, so, um, a little bit further down the board, he's an interesting player. Um, and then, that's about, I don't think you need to go much further than that. Cause it's yeah. in, a, in a weak field like this, you end up with a lot of guys on the back end towards the bottom um, who are, you know, either, you know, drifting into champion store territory or, you know, just don't make a lot of starts regularly on the PGA tour.
2: Exactly. So it's perfect time for us to start our DFS lineup. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away.
0: We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of.
2: Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. I'll let you go first. Who do you like to start it off this week?
1: I'll go with the guy I mentioned earlier who's been playing some better golf. Top 20 finished the last time there in South Carolina. I anticipate that there's going to be a pretty low percentage of players hitting the green regulation this week in terms of the field. Danny Will is third on the PGA Tour in strokes game around the green. Hi,
0: just a quick editor's note here from the producer. Danny Willett was a late subtraction from this field, so please disregard any Danny Willett plays.
2: All right, I'm going to go with a guy that knows this course pretty well, Lucas Glover, 8600 this week. I assume he's not going to be that high owned at that price, but he does know this course, and I there's there's no he's reason the only, he's only one he's the only gonna one not going to make the cut. So 8600 Lucas Glover.
1: I like it. Actually, played some decent golf, tied for 8th place 2 weeks ago at Colonial and he's made 9 of his last 10 stroke play cuts. So, um, I thought that was kind of a interesting pick going into the week after I've basically been combing through his quotes to learn about this golf course over the last, you know, 24 48 hours.
0: This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell. Here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign up offer for our listeners a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus they're compatible with BetSync. So when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now, back to the show.
1: Uh, my next pick, let's see where he's priced at. Okay, I really like this price. We both mentioned him. We like him a little bit down the board. Rafa cabrera Bayo at 7800 mm. I think is a nice value. It's going to give us some money on the back end, get some bigger names in there. cabrera Bayo, three top 40 finishes in a row, respectable on the PGA Tour, including a Memorial where he had a really bad Saturday but still had a had a reasonable finish. Uh, some value down the board. And I, you know, I talked about the comparisons to maybe some of those courses on the European tour in the desert. So Rafa at 7,800.
2: All right. I like that. I'm going to actually go with Vince Whaley, a guy we just talked about. We all love him here. Uh, He is 7,700 this week. No top tens. However, he's been playing so well. We cashed with the top 20 recently. So I like him a lot. Whaley, uh,
1: one of the longest active cuts made streaks on the PGA tour. So that's, I think that's really good value at 7,700. I don't think I've seen him hit a shot on a broadcast yet, but I know if you comb through and it's just player A, player B, and you're looking at numbers, you're like, this guy's pretty respectable uh, value, especially this week in this yeah. field. All right, so we got 18,000 left for our yeah, last two. Where are you
2: going? Are you going to spend some money?
1: I feel like I need to. Um, you know, the, and the thing is, when you get a little bit below that 9,000, which is what we've got in terms of um, splitting the difference here with our money remaining, like I mentioned that I'd fade Kisner. He has been playing great. Mm-hmm. You know, Alex Noren is 8,900. Like, ugh, I, I mean, you know, maybe HV three at 8,500. That could be interesting. Um, you know, a guy you mentioned playing in Australia, he's won the Australian PGA championship before. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm going Harold Varner, 8500. I'm going to leave you with 9,500 in the bank. Just talk myself into it with the Australian PGA winner and your comp to those Australian courses. I like that. So
2: Ooh, I like that.
1: He'd be a popular winner, that's for sure.
2: He would be a popular winner. He's from North Carolina, so not too far away.
1: Yeah, he's in the same, you know, Carolina region.
2: All right. So you left me with 9,500. Garrett Higo is nine thousand. On principle, I refuse to spend nine thousand dollars on Garrett Higo <laughs> in the United States of America. Like, hey, if, in we, if we're playing, like,
1: if we're playing a third-rate European tour event, though, not even third-rate. If we're playing the British
2: Masters, I would spend that on him.
1: There you go. Drop it on him. We would do that. Yeah. Just not, just not on this PGA tour. No, no, ma'am.
2: Yeah, I just, I just don't love what I have left... Like all the guys I would want are just a little bit out of range right now. But one guy that could potentially play well this week is Keith Mitchell. He's kind of been surprising us. He likes this like self swampy golf. And I I just, I like him at a course like this. Okay. So he was 7,900 and we left 700 on the table.
1: By principle, I like leaving a little bit on the board. You leave yeah. a little bit on the table. It's like your your side bank for some good good karma, good juju. Keith yeah. Mitchell, one of the best drivers on the PGA Tour, thirty uh, first in driving distance, inside the top twenty this year in strokes gained off the tee. So let's see if the you know the drivers is as beneficial as you know we've been led led to believe it may be you know pretty important this week here at Congaree.
2: Yeah, so our lineup, we have Willett, Glover, Rafa Barbeo, Vince Whaley, HV3, and Keith Mitchell. Keith, not Kevin Mitchell. Send it. We left 700 on the table. Now, we never do that for Jason.
1: No, no. Jason, We he gets the sixth pick when we make our gimme team. Yeah. And yeah. he's, you know, he's combing through Monday qualifiers. Yeah, but
2: I, I mean. But I, I wouldn't remember. do
1: that to you, But I wouldn't do that to you. This is, you know just team Justin Rose making their first podcast appearance i can't i can't I do that
2: thank you guys so much for listening good luck this week for Justin Ray from the 21st group i'm Amanda Rose filling in for Jason Sobel he will be back next week good luck this week with the palmetto championship it'll be interesting to see what happens here's hoping you hit the green or whatever jason says we'll see you later